All right. Well, good morning. My name is Adam Casel. I'm the executive pastor here. Yeah. For the last 15 weeks, we have been going through the Gospel of Mark, and today we're going to conclude uh, that series in the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark was not one of Jesus's direct followers, but he did spend time with one of Jesus's direct followers, a man named Peter. And uh, Mark wrote to a Roman audience. The Romans loved action. So Mark presents Jesus as a man of action who is also the son of God. So throughout Mark's gospel, we see Jesus performing miracles. We see him confronting demons. He's teaching with authority. He's healing people. And he's, te- he's training his disciples to do the things that he was doing. Now, last week, we looked at Jesus on the cross and how he was despised by others. He felt separated from his father. And then he was ultimately declared to be the son of God. And that leads us to where we are this morning, celebrating the resurrection, this Easter holiday. Now, before we go any further, I I, want to pray for us so that anything good that happens, you know, is coming from God and not from me. So will you you pray with me? Uh, Father, we just, we thank you that we get to gather. Um, I, I know you have incredible love for each and every person here. And so my prayer is that we would all experience that. You have something for each one of us. And so now open our hearts and our minds to receive that, that we could see Jesus, the resurrected one. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Mark 16. It will be up on the screen in, in, a, in a minute, but um, I'm sure all of you can look back on your life and have events that you could say, wow, that was unexpected. You know, if you're old enough, you probably say, that's just life, right? You may be in a career that you never anticipated, or if you are in the career that you expected, it probably doesn't look quite like you anticipated. That could be true for our marriages and raising family as well. For myself, uh, on my wedding day, as my wife came down the aisle, and when I saw her for the first time, my heart unexpectedly jumped into my throat, and my eyes filled with tears. A few years later, yeah, I'm earning points today. I heard that awe. (laughs) A few years later, at the birth of our first child, um, who came unexpectedly three weeks early, again, I wept with joy as, as he entered the world. I never expected to be called into pastoral ministry. I never expected to plant a church. I didn't expect that it would fail. I didn't expect to go back into the workforce, in the marketplace, and I didn't expect to end up here. But this morning we're going to look at how the unexpected Messiah brings unexpected events. So look with me at Mark chapter 16. Mark writes, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. 
As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told him, told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So again, this morning we're going to look at how the unexpected Messiah brings unexpected events. First, the women saw something unexpected. These three women, they were at the cross when Jesus died. You can read that at the end of chapter 15. And two of them saw where his body was laid. So this is not the case of them turning up to the wrong tomb, all right, or forgetting where exactly maybe he, he was. All right, two of them were there. The likelihood that they both forgot or got turned around is pretty slim. Notice they also go as early as is legally and safely possible. They went at sunrise. And what they're carrying and what they're talking about indicates that they are expecting to find a body. They have burial spices, and they're wondering who's going to roll the stone away. But when they get there, there's, the body is gone, and there's some man who says, he's not here, he is risen. These women did not come full of faith or hope. Again, they brought burial spices and are talking about who's going to move the tomb. But what they came with was full of honor. They intended to honor their rabbi. They brought what they knew to the place that they knew, and they saw the unexpected, an empty tomb. He has risen. He is not here. Then they were given the privilege of being the first evangelists. They're told to go to the disciples and Jesus, or sorry, and Peter, and tell them what they've seen. Now, Peter has to be mentioned because Peter, just as Jesus had predicted a few nights earlier, denied knowing Jesus three times. So he personally needed to be reinstated. Now, on a side note, the fact that Mark says that the first eyewitnesses were women 
actually lends credibility to his account. See, during that time, the testimony of a woman was not admissible in a court of law. They were very much seen as second-class citizens. So if Mark or, and others had fabricated this story, there's no way that they say that it's women who are the first uh, to witness the, the empty tomb because it would totally undermine what they're saying. So it must be true. Now, as we see, the women left full of courage and boldness. No, they're afraid and they're alarmed. Why? Because they came and expected to find a body and they found an empty tomb. That's disorienting. That's a true paradigm shift. So if you find yourself afraid or alarmed, you're in good company. Have you ever wondered where God is in the midst of your pain and sorrow? Have your hopes and dreams fizzled out or ended with a thud? Maybe you've come to God expecting one thing to get there and find something totally different. You're in good company. The unexpected Messiah brings unexpected events. Now, if, as you were following along um, up on the screen or maybe in your Bible, you notice that the rest of the chapter is in italics from verses 9 through 20. Just a real brief note. The reason is because scholars all across the spectrum would say that this is not the original ending for Mark's gospel. Um, somehow it got lost. We don't know what it is. But along the way, a person or a community decided verse 8 is not an appropriate way to end this message. So they sort of put together some things that were happening, um, but it's, for the most part, very consistent with the rest of the New Testament. I want to point out two things that are a little odd. Uh, the handling of dead, deadly snakes and drinking poison. So the deadly snakes is most likely a reference to the end of Acts when, uh, if you read it, you remember Paul is shipwrecked. He, they end up on this island called Malta. They're met by the natives. They're, they're building a fire. Paul uh, is grabbing wood. A poisonous snake latches itself onto his hand and bites him. Now, the, the natives look at him and think, oh, this man's obviously a murderer who had, it looked like he got away, but the fates, the gods, destiny has caught up to him. So they're waiting for him to die. But because nothing happened, they decide, oh, he's a god. How about that for a couple of opinions? Like, you're either a murderer or god. Right? <clears throat> that's what was happening at that time. So that's most likely the reference to the handling of snakes. The poison, we don't find that anywhere else in the New Testament. But in the early church, it's possible that people were made to drink poison and they survived. Some people see this as a practice to continue today. We do not. All right? All right. But, yeah, the sigh of relief all across, especially. Welcome to our guests. <laughs> this seems odd, but it highlights the reality that we live in this tension of, of power, of the already but not yet, as Randy has mentioned throughout the weeks. Now, we see that the 11 are slow to believe. Look at what it took. Two separate accounts of eyewitnesses meeting Jesus and then Jesus himself having to appear to them before they believed. 
as I said earlier, this is a true paradigm shift. That doesn't happen overnight. If it's difficult for you to believe something that God is doing or that you read in the Bible, you're in good company. Have you ever wondered, God, if there is a God, is this real? If you don't want to be hoodwinked, you're in good company. But in in spite of their slow belief, they received the unexpected. They ended up doing the things that Jesus did while on earth. Personally, I've been in this place. And there's at times when I hear things that I find myself slow to believe. I had a hard time believing that people could lay their hands on others and see them healed. I had a hard time believing that normal people could cast out demons. I had a hard time believing that normal people could speak in languages they previously didn't know. I had a hard time believing that God could and would, on a regular basis, speak to people, normal people, outside of what they read in the Bible. But then I started to see things firsthand and hear stories of people that I knew and trusted. The first of which was one of my mentors in college, uh, when he was in Bible college, had a professor who was asked to go over to South Korea and speak at a series of meetings intended to help believers be strengthened in their faith and hopefully those who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Now, this man did not believe any of these things that, that Jesus is talking about here still happen today. Okay? Didn't speak any Korean. He goes over. He needs a translator to, to translate his messages. Now, the last day, he wakes up, is getting ready to speak, and he finds out his translator is sick, and they can't find another one in time. So he prays, asks asking the Lord what to do, and has a sense he needs to get up and speak, and somehow God will work it out. (laughs) So he stands up, starts delivering his message, and with his own ears, he hears perfect Korean coming out of his mouth. (laughs) Needless to say, there was quite a reaction and a response that day. Another was when I was in seminary, um, my wife and I attended the Evanston Vineyard, And they would do these classes, these day-long classes, teaching people how to do some of the things that we were reading about here. And one of them was essentially how to hear from God on behalf of others. And so I came, and the format of the class was there was some teaching by the senior pastor, Steve. Then he would bring some people in to demonstrate the things that he had just taught on. And during one of those first two sessions, a guy I had never met before called me out, you know, had me stand up and said, Essentially, God's called you into pastoral ministry. (laughs) He had no idea. Like I said, we'd never met before. And he said, and God speaks to you differently. And that was the exact moment that I was wrestling through because I was wanting to learn how to hear from God. And it wasn't working out the way that other people I knew uh, were experiencing it. The only other thing that I remember, apart from just in general, the love of God in this room that was like a buzz of electricity flowing through the room, was at the very end, Steve said, okay, anybody who's not received a word of encouragement, come, come up front, and all of you who've been taking this class for the less than a day, you're going to like share some words up here. Well, there was this young boy 
around 11 years old, give or take a year. He calls out this one woman who had very memorable red curly hair. He goes, I see that somebody has stolen something from you and God is going to give it back. And she crumbled to her knees weeping because she knew exactly what that meant. We saw and received the unexpected from an unexpected Messiah. Again, the unexpected Messiah brings unexpected events and allows us to receive the unexpected. At the beginning of the gospel, Mark records Jesus' words, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now here at the end of this gospel, Jesus is telling his disciples, go out into the world and preach the good news. This is an unexpected gift, the gift of salvation. So what is this good news? The good news is that the kingdom of God is near and available to each and every one of us. Not only is it a future hope or another word for heaven or church, it's actually wherever God is and has his way. It's available here and now. We enter the kingdom of God by trusting that Jesus died on the cross on our behalf for our sins. We stay in the kingdom of God by believing that Jesus died on the cross on our behalf for our sins. The way in is also the way forward. It's a love that cannot be earned, and no one can be disqualified from receiving it. On the cross, Jesus bore the ultimate shame of being despised by others and feeling separated from his father so that we would never have to. As we see this morning, Jesus did not stay dead. He rose three days later, according to the scriptures. He appeared to his followers and then to more than 500 people, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. The resurrection is the biggest deal. If it did not happen, then Jesus' birth, his life, whether he actually did and said these things or not, and his death mean nothing. It all hinges on the resurrection. Of all the theories of what could have possibly happened to the body, the resurrection is actually the most plausible. If you have any questions about those other theories, Come talk to Randy. Come talk to me. Love to talk through them with you. But again, the fact that he rose from the dead is the most plausible of anything that could have happened. As Mark says at the end, that Jesus rose, he ascended uh, into heaven and is seated at the right hand of his father. That is so that he can be immediately and intimately available to each and every one of us. Through his place in heaven, he is able to strengthen those of us who want to be his friends and partners to be able to draw others to himself. That's why we celebrate this morning. Now, Jesus lists some things of what partnering with him might look like. We get to tell the good news. We get to baptize others. We get to drive out demons, speak in new tongues. We get to place our hands on sick people, see them made well, and we could actually 
survive not being harmed by deadly things. This is not meant to be exhaustive, it's, but it's common. Here's a couple other ways that this could look like. There was a man, uh, a missionary in the 20th century by the name of Frank Laubach. Now, Frank Laubach was from the U.S., and he went to the Philippines. And he had this discipline, this practice that he had developed called a game with minutes. And he challenged himself every day for every minute that he was awake to have one second where he thought about God, where he had a conscious thought of God. So he went to the Philippines to minister to a a group of people, and while he was there, he fell in love with their culture. They had these epic poems and a very rich history, but none of it was written down. They memorized all of it. So he had this idea, what if I help them develop a written language and teach them how to read and write? And he came up with this motto, each one teaches one. And because of what started there in the Philippines, that has actually spread throughout the world and millions of people have learned how to read and write around the world because of this practice of keeping God present before his mind and coming up with an idea of how he might be able to partner with God to reach people in a unique way. The other is a man named Bob Kern. Now, Bob uh, was trained professionally as an engineer. He went to a small school in Indiana called Purdue. You may have heard of it. (laughs) And uh, after he graduated, he and his wife, Pat, moved up to Wisconsin, and he started a company called Generac, and they, they built generators. And in the late 60s, his manufacturing plant burnt down, and they had developed several new uh, generators and innovations on gener- generators. They had blueprints. They were working on patents. All of it was gone. And Bob sat in the ashes and he told God, he said, if you help me rebuild this company, I will dedicate it to you. And about 30 years later, Bob and Pat sold off part of Generac um, and established a fund. And about 10 years after that, they sold it off completely and took millions of dollars and put it into this foundation uh, called the Kern Family Foundation. And the point of that foundation was for math and engineering students in undergrad to be able to go through school without paying any tuition, and for those uh, in seminary to be able to graduate from seminary debt-free. He had a heart for engineers because he was himself, and he had a heart for pastors because his dad was a pastor. And so because of that, hundreds and hundreds of people have been able to graduate undergrad and grad school debt-free. Now, that's a great story. I'm a personal recipient of that. An unexpected tragedy has brought unexpected blessing to hundreds of people. That happens because the unexpected Messiah brings unexpected events. So what do we do with this? Well, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or you don't know if you do, I'll give you an opportunity to respond in a little bit. But for those who do, I want to encourage us to try Frank Laubach's game, a game with minutes, to see what would happen if we could start thinking of God every minute. Now, initially that may be overwhelming, so maybe you need to play a game with hours, right? How many hours in a day can I think about God or how many times within an hour? 
Or maybe you don't like games. So create a goal, a goal with minutes or a goal with hours. Set a goal for yourself. I'm, ten times in the next hour, I'm going to think about God. Now, a number of weeks ago, Merlin talked about how we can be atmosphere changers. I think if we put this into practice, we will start to be atmosphere changers. Things will happen around us. The presence of God that you carry will start to be more evident to those around you. You will start to have ideas on how to do things differently in your family, in your neighborhood, and at work. I think you'll start to feel the inclination to encourage your family members, your coworkers, and your neighbors. Writing them notes and giving them just verbal affirmation, perhaps gifts. You'll start to change the atmosphere around you. And after a time, the unexpected Messiah will start to bring some unexpected events. We will stand with me. Lynn, if you'll come forward. Ministry teams, if you'll come forward. So maybe you came here this morning expecting to sing songs and to hear somebody speak, uh, but the unexpected has happened. For the first time, Jesus is real to you. Or now you finally know why he died on the cross. Or you trust that he really is risen and you want to know him. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you uh, just to pray a simple prayer with me. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a simple way uh, to sort of come to Jesus. So I'm going to pray. You, You can just pray in your heart. Whisper it out loud if you want. But... Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I understand your life, your death, your resurrection was for me. I turn from living life my way, and I want to live your way. I surrender all I have and all I am to you. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, I'm not going to ask you to do anything right now. Apart from at some point, would you come let me know or let Randy know? Uh, that way we can pray with you again specifically um, and just and, and encourage you. Or maybe this morning you find yourself wanting more, more from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now, that's you. I just encourage you now, just again, in your hearts, so or you can whisper... Ask for more. Put your hands out. More, Lord. I want more. So we say more, Holy Spirit, come on each person who wants more from you, more with you. I ask that you would heighten our senses to what you are doing. And if there's anything we need to surrender, that we would lay that down to you now to be able to receive from you. Continue turning that up, Lord. We have a ministry team up here. So if any of you are sick this morning, come, get prayer. It's one of the things Jesus said would happen. So let's put that into practice. 
couple words um, for us. First one is around uh, aligning spines. So if you're having back problems, um, we had a woman last week who had mild scoliosis and a, a bone that was sticking out. The Lord healed it right up here. All right. And so I think, yes. And so I think God wants to do more around that. Okay. And I, two people or groups specifically. Um, one, you feel like your family is scattered. That you you see all these parts around your family that are just out of place. And as soon as you bring one into place, another one moves out. You move that in. Something else moves out. And so I think the Lord wants to encourage you. If, if that resonates, come, come get prayer. And another uh, group or person, you feel like your, your faith and your work are out of alignment. Like you're being pulled in two separate directions. So if that's you, I encourage you to come get prayer. Uh, Another word is for, um, I think there's somebody here experiencing discomfort in their left knee. It's been going on maybe about a month or so, and it really feels tight when you bend it, um, almost swollen. I think uh, the Lord wants to heal that, but I think he also has something in store for you as well. So if that, that resonates, come get prayer. If there's anything else that you have that you, you just feel like, I need prayer this morning, come get prayer.